Well, we are in the middle of a series called The Battle for Your Peace, and uh, tonight's message is kind of, it's, it's interesting. The Lord gave me this part of the message, and I had never thought um, about what I'm about to share with you, um, and I never thought about it in my life, and so hopefully by the end of tonight, just in the next few minutes, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But our foundation scripture is this, but he was wounded for our transgressions, Jesus was bruised for our guilt and iniquity. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and our well-being, our peace and our well-being was upon him, and with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed. If you need one of our fill-ins, raise your hand, and we'll get that to you as quickly as we can, and or a pen, let us know. We do a little fill-ins here. Our first, and this is a little bit of recap from last week, Jesus paid the full price for peace in every part of your life. We said last week that we our, our faith is developed in saying, did Jesus pay the full, full price for our sin? And our faith is developed in that. Say, yes, Jesus completely paid for all our sin. But according to Isaiah, this is true as well. He paid the full price for you to live in, in his peace. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry. I'm going to go somewhere with this when it comes to peace about your life, what you will eat, or, what your bo- or, about, or about your body, what you will wear. So this message that Jesus is about to give to his disciples is a, is a message about not worrying, but in the same scope, it's saying that there will be a battle for your peace. And so he's about to give them a, two wonderful illustrations on how to keep your peace. And he continues on with the disciples, says, Is not life more than food and the body more than than clothing? Jesus is saying there's a deeper meaning to who you are than what's trying to steal your peace. By the way, if you're joining us on Facebook Live, thank you for joining us. And if you're here in the auditorium or watching, we would love for you to share that feed. We appreciate it. Have Have you ever had an outfit that you thought made you? Like, you're like, I look good in this outfit. Or have you ever had an outfit that you're like, oh, I look like trash in this outfit. I think I'll go to Walmart. <laughs> you know, that's where you wear to Walmart. And, or how about somebody, I see this all the time at, at, at the gym. Yes, I go to the gym. Stop laughing. <laughs> but some of these guys and definitely some of these girls that think that they have a pretty good physique, it seems like the... The better they think their physique is, the less clothes they have on or covering them. And, you know, some of these girls sometimes are like, you're barely covered, young lady at the gym (laughs) that's full of people. But I, a lot of people will will ask or question, you know, these people that are bodybuilders or into their body. I hate to tell you this, but ones that are into that, that's all they're into. (laughs) They're into building their body. They're into being skinny, and maybe I need to join that crowd just a little bit more than I do. But anyway, I digress. But all they are is into an image. And if you talk to them, they talk about protein, and they talk about cardio, and there's really not very much substance to them because they've gone to an extreme or to a end of the spectrum that that they think that life is all about what you look like and what you put on. And Jesus is saying that there's a deeper meaning to life. Jesus gives us an invitation to not worry about our lives. That he's telling the disciples, he said, don't worry about your life. 
There must have been a temptation or a tendency for them to worry about where they were and what they had so much that he said that life's more than what you worry about. One of our cousins was in town and she was telling us about how she was waking up in the middle of the night concerned about her, her son who just recently joined the military. And so I told her, well, two things. And she said, I don't, I don't know if I'm waking up from worry or if I'm waking up to pray. And I said, well, maybe a little bit of both. But two things. One is that your son joined the military. <laughs> That's not an easy thing to, you know, just let them ship him out the door to be a part of. That's difficult. And then the second thing is it's your child. And so when she would wake up in the night, she said, I would, I just pray. I said, That's perfect. That's wonderful. That's exactly the response that when that worry comes or that concern comes at two o'clock in the morning, that she immediately transfers that worry into prayer over her son. Jesus continues on. He said, Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap, and they do not store, have storerooms or barns, yet God feeds them. And then Jesus goes on, How much more valuable are you than birds? Now, I like birds, but, you know, the other day we were going to a surprise birthday party, and, and Amber and Brandon were at the same one, and we pulled up in the parking lot and Brand, at the same time. We get out of the car, and Brandon gets out of the car. He said, you'll never believe what happened. I was like, what happened? He goes, come, come here and look. And I go around to the front of their car, and right in the grill is this bird, just a whole bird, dead, <laughs> you know. It was kind of weird and creepy at the same time, but unfortunately, it didn't get out of the way quick enough. And, it, what's it? and it's always the pigeons, and come on, move it, move it. I'm always slowing down for the pigeons. But as sad as that was, I really didn't, you know, nobody had to hug me or console me over this bird. Just It just happened. And Jesus' point is this, that even though we might have an, an affection for nature and like things but he said you're more valuable than a bird in a grill <laughs> he said there, there's more worth in your life that God is committed to them and he's even more committed to you he goes on he says who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life watch what he's saying right here that worry is a form of preservation that Jesus is paralleling worry to time that uh, he's saying that we a lot of times worry because we think we're not where we should be we think that somebody is further along in the timetable of life that we've missed opportunities that we've missed a, a, a chance that we could have done something different with our life and and Jesus is clearly saying to these to these disciples, he's saying, don't put a timetable on your faith. Because when you put a limit of time on that, then you're going to bring in worry. And by bringing in worry, it's going to steal your peace. One of the interesting things uh, that has that kind of been uh, lately is the doomsday preppers. Holy cow. Now, I don't, I'm, you should be prepared. You should have your finances order. You should have water and food on you in your house, non-perishables, that kind of stuff. But if you're hardcore doomsday prepper, I mean, you've got an underground bunker. You've got about 30 years of, of MREs. I mean, you're ready to survive 
for decades if something should happen to this earth. Now, let me just let you know something. Something happens to this earth. Somebody asked one of the, I teach high school, if you don't know, and one of the kids asked me, Mr. Moore, what, what about if, uh, you know, the end of the world happens? What would you do? And then, you know, like saying, I would go to like some remote place and have all my MREs with me and uh, just hide out and just survive. And I'm like, you know, no. I said, if end of the world happens, I want that bomb to land right on me because I'm going straight to Jesus. (laughs) I'm not going to stick around and try to survive and kill squirrels and lizards for a living. No, it's Jesus time. Let's get out of here. But what, what, uh, pushes a a doomsday prepper to be a doomsday prepper. And what pushes them is that the worry of time, the worry of what might happen. Now, like I said, we all should live in wisdom, but being somebody that's ready to occupy a bunker indefinitely is a little bit creepy and a lot of worry. Worry is always tied to lack and scarcity, that's why, you know, preppers, they'll, they'll say, I got, I got my guns, and I, I've got about 70 million guns, and I've got all my food, because anybody comes my way, they're going to get it. Well, that's tied to lack and scarcity. And if anything will battle for your peace, is that, that you will think in your heart, there's not enough. There's not enough uh, time out there. There's not enough dreams out there. There's not, there's not enough, if you're relationally, there's not enough guys out there. There's not enough girls out there. Well, you just have to, you have to just settle for what comes around because time is ticking. Let me just let you know. I'm not going to say that. I say that all the time. From your single youth pastor, it's still ticking. Have you ever planned out a bad scenario in your mind that never happened? Now, I know none of y'all have had that happen to you, and you can just pray for me in your quiet time. But have you ever had that where you planned out the entirety of a bad scenario beginning to end and every possible wrong move that it can happen, and then a few months, years, whatever later, it never even occurred? What is that? That's a fear that, or that's a worry that's based in fear that's tied to lack, that's tied to time. Because we think that over the course of time, this bad situation is going to happen. Jesus said that God would personally take responsibility for everything that you need. That there is a place in God when it comes to the battle for your peace. And that place in God says to you and says to your heart... That I will, God's saying, I will take responsibility, I will take full responsibility for everything that you need in your life. I love this. God is interested in what you need physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. Now, we don't have any problem with the fourth one. The fourth one, our faith is well developed that God will take care of me spiritually. That he sent Jesus to die on a cross, to be raised again from the dead, that we have fully faith developed in spiritually. But back it up to the other three. That God, through the same redemption, said that I will take full responsibility over you physically. I will take full responsibility over you emotionally. I will take full responsibility over you relationally. 
that there really is in the scope of everything that we face, there is nothing that if our hearts are committed to him, there is nothing that he is not fully committed to seeing us through and be successful in. Jesus goes on with the disciples. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus said, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Now, before I go to the next verse of Jesus speaking right here, he's saying, I'm going to send an advocate. I'm going to send a counselor. I'm going to send someone that's going to stand by you. And he is going to teach you. Because the, the disciples are worried about, Jesus, you're leaving us. We're not going to have anybody to lead us anymore. He goes, no, I'm going to send somebody to replace me. Because Jesus said, I can't be everywhere at one time in a physical form. But somebody will. Watch what he says in the next verse. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Now let's think about this a second. Because there is nothing more, what do you call it, wonderful to my heart to hear than that Jesus is leaving his peace. But it's two, two purpose. It's Jesus is leaving his peace for us. And Jesus is leaving the same peace that he operated in. That he operated in peace that came by the Holy Spirit. And so that peace that he had by the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm going to leave you with the same peace. I, don't not, I do not give you as the world gives you. Let not your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. That God's peace moves the element of time. That when we get to a place, when we're in the battle for our peace, that his peace removes all elements of time. Because the reality was Jesus lived 33 years. And I can imagine he didn't wake up in the 32nd year of his life and start pushing the disciples around saying, boys, I got a year to get this all taken care of. We got to work, work, work. Come on, we are wrapping this thing up because I got to go. But Jesus had full assurance he had full calm, he had full rest in his heart that was given by the Holy Spirit that everything that he needed to complete, he would complete fully to God's plan in the 33 earthly years that he was given. What happens with the peace of God, what happens with the battle for our peace is that it removes the element of the time constraint. That time counts what you don't have and what you've missed. Now, I know this has probably not happened to any of you young ladies, especially our young ladies that are in their young adult years, but that you look on Facebook, Instagram, what have you, and you see one of your good friends, one of your friends, and they just had a beautiful wedding. And not only did they have a beautiful wedding with all the wonderful parts of a wedding, but you, hadn't even, you don't even have a boyfriend. I think I've told you guys a story before that I dated a girl years ago and we broke up and I was at a wedding. I was at her wedding and we're standing in the reception line and you know everybody's favorite thing is to when you're single they're, they're going to tell you well when are you going to get married? Like, shut up. <laughs> Don't say shut up. Okay. <laughs> so standing in that line and they're like well, are you, are you, and they're sincere, this is sincerely rude, sincerely annoying, I'm just kidding. They said, well, what, 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 are you dating anybody? No, no. As a matter of fact, the last person I dated, 
I'm at her wedding right now. <laughs> True story. But if we let fear and lack and questioning where we are and what we have and engage in the, in the battle for our peace when it comes to time, you're never going to win. But when you step out of the constraints of time into the promise of what God says, then the time limits come off and you live at a place that you fully trust that he can do what he said he would do and you don't have to live under any of the limitations of time. God's peace settles your heart that God himself by the Holy Spirit is always with you. That Have you ever had that? moment uh, where you're concerned about a friend or you're concerned about a relationship or you're concerned about a relationship that just ended. Those are horrible. You're concerned about a child. You're concerned about a grandchild. You're concerned about someone and you're thinking about the time that that person experienced whatever it was, a breakup, a walking away from the Lord, a, a, a hard, difficult uh, response to just life. And then when you get to, that, get to the end of it and you're concerned about that, that's a normal response. But we have to have a response to that where we say, no, I'm not going to be held within the, the constraints of time because God is bigger than any time element that I'm facing. That whatever I face, the Holy Spirit is within me through it. That when Jesus said, I'm going to leave a comforter, I'm going to leave somebody in my place that he's going to be with you to teach you. And then the next verse, if you remember, he said that my peace I will leave with you. And he's, he's saying, I'm going to deliver to you the same package that I live by. And when you live by that same package, then you know that no, whatever comes my way, that the Holy Spirit is with me through it, every single minute of it. That he is there to teach me, to comfort me, to guide me, to counsel me through every single minute of it. Here, I love this right here. If he's not concerned, why would I be? <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think that God has ever had a head-holding moment in any of our lives. Well, maybe my brother Richard. But nobody else <laughs> has God ever held his head and saying, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? No moment that you have ever faced have caught, has caught God off guard. Can I, can I take it a step further? No moment that you have ever faced did God not have a plan to get you out of that mess. No moment that we have ever faced did God not fully commit by the Holy Spirit to say to you, I'm going to walk with you all the way through that. But it's hard, Jonathan. God knows. But it hurts, Jonathan. God knows. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not, it's not easy to let go, to forgive. God knows. Here, here's the cool thing about our hearts and what our hearts experience, that God knows more about how our heart ex hearts experience it than we could ever imagine. I love the fact of uh, the Holy Spirit being with us. Now, have you ever gone to something that was scary like roller coasters? If you were gone like a roller coaster and uh, you weren't quite sure of that roller coaster, I mean, you're looking at it thinking that's pretty crazy. But then your friends were like, let's get on it. Let's get on it. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm not going to be chicken. 
I'm not going to be some pansy and sit over and watch them all. And so all of a sudden, courage starts rising up inside. The courage that wasn't there. We're like, yeah, we we're going to have fun on this. We're going to get on this roller coaster, and we're going to scream like banshees. We're going to have fun on this. And all of a sudden, you find something that you were once in fear of that now, now it's not so bad because you had some incur- outward encouragement. And God says that's the same way that the Holy Spirit is going to work with you, that he's going to be an inside encouragement. That when you face something that you're in fear of, that that inside, that inside spirit, the, the Holy Spirit inside you, you go, we got this. We got it. Bring it on. Let's keep on going in Luke. Luke, since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry? And it goes back to um, worry not adding an hour to your life. Since you cannot add hours to your life, why do you worry about the rest? Jesus continues, consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. He's basically saying they're lazy. They're they're lazy. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, Jesus says, how much more will he clothe you you of little faith. We labor and spin because we like to have control. And that's what the Lord gave me. He said, Jonathan, a lot of the things that you worry about, a lot of the things that rock your world, a lot of the things that keep you up at night are all contingent upon that because you don't have control over them, you're freaking out about them. Now, I know that's none of y'all. That's why I'm just open before you so you can pray for me. I asked Sammy to bring his, anybody play Fortnite in here? Anybody play games or whatever? So is this this just a regular Xbox One controller? Because we like, now I sat and watched Sammy play Fortnite the other day at my brother's house, and it was boring as heck. But something else interesting happened there is that my little cousin, who's, uh, what is his name? We call him Little Pete. Marcus. How old is Marcus? Eight? He, six. I knew he was little. He's playing Fortnite. Now, I have to tell you, when Marcus, little Marcus was playing Fortnite, he had the grocery cart, and he was trying to get that grocery cart upstairs. So he spent about, I don't know, seven minutes on the landing (laughs) trying to turn the grocery cart and I don't know, there was about four or five of us in the den watching little Marcus play that. And every one of us were like <laughs> trying to turn that grocery cart for him. And he's like, Phew. and you know, the grocery cart's just hitting the wall, hitting the wall, hitting the wall, hitting the wall. And then he'd back it up and then he'd try to turn it again and he'd run it right back in the same wall. And he'll tongue out. And every one of us is like, the funny thing about Marcus is that he had about set of the Six people or seven people there. Six were his coaches. No, what you need to do, back up. And people, some people are saying, get rid of that grocery cart. I mean, everybody had advice for little Marcus on how to play Fortnite. But the reality was only one person had the control. But everybody wanted that control. (laughs) Everybody wanted to just go over there and grab that little remote from that little six-year-old and say, let me deal with this right here. And a lot of the battle when it comes to our peace is because we battle things because we don't have control over them. And so we spend lots of time trying to figure out 
How can I gain control to that situation? How can I, how can I grab the control out of someone else's hand that has done me wrong or someone else that is not reacting how I want them to react to me or even worse, grabbing the control out of God's hand and saying, let me show you how to do this better in my life. So the, in my life, I don't know about you, but in my life, a lot of the times the battle for my peace is over things that I don't have any control over. So I'm faced with all kinds of thoughts and all kinds of worry in my head over things that I really can't even control, but I'm trying to, and in trying to get control over them, I'm losing joy, losing peace, losing rest over things that... And ask yourself the next time that you're worked up about something, really, how much control do I have over that? And many times we can answer, I don't have any control over that. That peace will never have us in a place where everything is as it should be. If we had everything in its place, if everything was fitting exactly where we want it, we wouldn't need peace. Here's the scary thought. If you could get everything in your life in order and you could get everybody to behave like you want them to behave and treat you like you want them to treat, then that would make you the Prince of Peace and not Jesus. Peace is always tied to a large amount of faith. The less I have control over, the more I'm going to have, faith, have to have faith for. The less I have say, if you think about it, I, there are a lot of people that I can make just a list on my iPad. Let me just tell you how I could fix them. <laughs> Let me just write their name down right here and tell me I could fix their bad attitude. Let's write this person's name down. Yeah, they irritate me and I could tell them exactly how they irritate me. But the more we try to do that, the less peace we'll have. The more we try to control our environment and those who interact with us, the less peace we have. If we're going to live in peace, then I'm going to have to have large amounts of faith. And in having large amounts of faith, I have to come to a place where I say, there ain't nothing I can do about that. Now, think about that. If there's nothing you can do about it, this is going to be deep. There's nothing you can do about it. So why would you try? That would be like saying, you know what, this, this building needs to be moved about five feet that direction, and I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> you all would follow me outside and laugh your butts off at me trying to move this building on my own. And everybody would stand around saying, you can't do it, Jonathan. You don't have that ability. I'm going to do it. No, bless God, I'm going to do it. And we try to move things in our lives that we are not equipped with any strength to move. And then we wonder why we're worn out and frustrated and have no peace because we're trying to move and shake and, and shape things that we have no control over. Next week we're going to eat. So don't worry, I'm, I'm not, I won't be rough next week. <laughs> like, can we just have food next time? Control allows me to always have a say in what's going on. You have to step back 
once again, to a huge amount of faith when you are faced with a situation. Let me take it a step further. When you're faced with a situation that is dear to your heart, that affects your heart, and you have to go to to a situation that touches your heart deeply, and you have to go to that place and say, I have no input for this. I have no way to fix this. I have no way to make this right. I have no way to change this. And so therefore, I have to withdraw my say, withdraw my input, and and take a step back and say, God, I'm going to stand in faith for everything that you are. And then peace comes. I'm going to go quick. These things dominate the thoughts of the unbeliever all over the world. But your father, Jesus continuing, your father already knows what you need. Seek, this is a familiar scripture, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything that you need. When I set my heart on him, I have everything I need. That the secret of God, of Jesus, talking about ravens and then talking about sparrows is at the end of it, he says that the way that you live is that you seek my Father's kingdom. And when you seek his kingdom, you'll have everything that you need. The, the, the extension of that is, is when you seek my Father's kingdom, you'll have everything you need and you won't care about every, anything that you don't have. I don't want to install an update later. <laughs> install tonight. What, what does that come up at the most wrong time? If I don't see it, then he designed me to trust him in it. I don't see the answer. I don't see the solution. I don't see it getting better. I don't see it being any different. I don't see how we're going to make it. I don't see, and whatever you can feel that when you don't see it, then you were designed to trust him in it. When you don't see that person changing, when they, don't, when they don't treat you any differently than they've been treating you, you don't see any change in it, then you are designed to be in a place to trust him more. I have to learn the difference between working hard for something and resting in faith for something. Working hard for something is that I treat people with love and respect and giving and generous. Resting is I don't try to change people. I don't try to change circumstances. I don't try to change situations that are not to my liking. What I work hard for is I love them in spite of it. I bless them. I pray for them. I encourage them in spite of it. I rest in that if it doesn't change, it'll still be okay. Am I helping anybody tonight? I love this saying. Maybe you've seen it before. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Taylor, if you'll come on down. Let me read this last thing to you. Casting the whole of your care, I love this out of the Amplified, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all on him, for he, God, cares about you affectionately and about you watchfully. Like, I like the Living Bible, and this is a This is a Bible that's not even in print anymore. I had to really search for this one. Let him, let God have all your worries. I love the way this says that. All your cares. For God is always thinking about you. Isn't that refreshing? That he's always thinking about you. And he's watching over everything that concerns you. Now it helps me 
to know that I can take all my anxieties, all my cares, all my worries, all my concerns, and I can cast them over on God. And I'm not just getting rid of it, but God is saying, I want you to have this heart of peace, this heart of rest that says, I'm always thinking about you. I'm always watching you. And there, com- there comes a place where, in spite of what I'm going through, that I've reached a place where I have an understanding, I can't do anything about this. And then at the, on the other side of me realizing there's nothing I can do about it, then comes a rest of his peace that he's mindful of me. Now, my brothers, they've uh, been doing jet skiing here lately. Let me tell you, this is a float that goes behind a jet ski. So I'll let you in on two things. Number one is that Johnny don't get on this float, all right? Johnny drives, that's me. Johnny drives that jet ski, and Johnny likes to drive it fast, but Johnny don't get on this raft. Let me tell you two reasons. One, I don't think I could stay on it. (laughs) Number two is that you're out in the middle of the lake, and you get off this thing, you got to get back on it. Oh, my goodness. I can just see myself getting a cramp in my leg. Anyway, but here's the concept, is that the rope goes through here and attaches to the jet ski, or could attach to a boat, I suppose, as well. And then that jet ski goes, and then you get on this thing, and you can get two people on here or one person in the middle, and, and this thing pulls you along. Well, there's a reality to this, to this float. The first reality is that you get on this, you don't have any control. <laughs> I know that's revelation. You, you get on this thing is that you... You're not steering the jet ski. And that's part of it. Because I know how my brothers are. They'll whip that thing around sideways. And though you'll be skipping across the water. And then you'll hit the wake of that jet ski. And then this thing's going to throw you up like popcorn. And there's nothing like my big old fat body flying through air like popcorn, all right? Not my idea of fun. <laughs> I want to ride. I want to drive that jet ski and I want to drive it fast. So two things. One is that, is that you don't have any control over where this thing is going. But that's not what this was designed for. They didn't design this, this uh, float saying, let me just let you know, you're not going to have any control over this when you get on this thing. You're going to get on this thing and you're going to be cussing and wondering where in the world are we going. Can't wait to get off. The-. That's not how they sell it. Here's how they sell it. You're going to have tons of fun on this thing. Because you're going to get on this thing, and it's going to go fast. And if Ben's driving the jet ski, you better hold on tight. Because he has only one speed, full throttle. They design it. They market it that this is fun. And God's saying, there's a lot of stuff in your life that you're not going to have any control over. Zero, not a zilch. And you got to decide stuff that you're going to have no control over, how you're going to ride the wave of your life. Are you going to ride it wishing you had control? Are you going to ride it holding on to this thing, barking out orders to people that aren't even listening to you? Or are you going to grab onto it and have fun? And trust that the one driving knows what he's doing. 
And God, that's what, that's what Jesus was saying when he said, my peace, I leave with you. That my peace will always drive you and guide you into fun things. Your last three fill-ins. God will never, God will never work on whatever you refuse to let go of. That if we're going to have the peace that Jesus described, it will not come by us holding on to stuff we're meant to enjoy. God is just fine with you enjoying the ride. You may be in here tonight and saying, Jonathan, there's a lot of things in my life that I don't have answers for, that I don't have solutions for, that I don't even know how they're going to turn out. And God says, I'm fine with you just enjoying the ride. You don't have to know where it's going. You don't, know how to, you don't have to know when it's going to stop, when it's going to start, how fast, how slow, when it's going to turn. You don't have to know that. But you, I do give you, I do give you the liberty and the permission to enjoy the ride. Your last feeling of all the things in your life, God is still the most trustworthy. That of all the people in your life, of all the relationships you have, of all the people that love you, that he is still the most faithful and trustworthy of everyone in your life. And unfortunately, many times, God gets the last consideration when it comes to who we trust. Bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. Maybe you're in his place tonight and you've been holding on to a lot of things. And just in this last few moments that we have together tonight, I want to encourage you as you're contemplating whatever the Holy Spirit is bringing to your heart, that you contemplate the notion, the reality of God, I'm going to let go of control of what I can't control. That I'm going to let go of having to have a say in everything that I face and being all bent out of shape when I can't change it. But then the second part I want you to get is clear in your spirit as well. That, God, I commit to enjoy the journey you're taking me on. That I commit to enjoy the paths of righteousness you said you would give me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.